Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. As we kick off our, not our favorite series, but one of our favorite series every single year, and that is our division preview series. Tonight, we are starting with the AL East, talking about all the teams in what is arguably the best division in baseball, but we'll get to that. Let's not jump the gun. I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at the Coach Moose. I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Ryan and Amanda. Be sure to follow them on twitter at we are all shack and at a white 7877 in the show at half street high heat guys what's going on not too much it's been a hell of a week everyone in my house has had a stomach bug including all of my small children and any of you out here listening who are parents know that having small small children aren't really good at like you know getting to the bathroom when they really should so it's been it's been a really interesting week you gotta have a designated family bowl yeah it's it's rough it's been a little bit tough and and the caps also suck now and that's been happening this week too so it's it's not been the greatest week for me to be honest with you yeah it at least we like... have the gnats to look forward to oh so. uh, yeah then your week's gonna get even worse um <laughs> <laughs> how about you guys what's new i just feel bad that i literally last episode i said we were gonna try to be more positive and here we are starting off with that so you know starting off with yeah kids puking yeah that's cool o- old habits die hard <laughs> no, I was, I was talking about my comment about the Nats, but anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of positivity to go on. Yeah, exactly. It's been one of those days. Mm-hmm. Today's not a Monday, but it was like a second Monday. You know it how really Ryan, does. R- Ryan says there's like fall spring one and all that stuff. Like this is false Tuesday or Monday <laughs> Speaking, number two. Hold on a second. Speaking of false spring, we're getting false summer on Thursday. 
It's yeah. gonna be freaking eighty degrees. I can't. And, wait. Saturday <laughs> and then Saturday is supposed to snow. Yep. Uh, it's yeah. Just <laughs> you know, I try not to talk too much about my gardening stuff because this is not a gardening podcast. But You're I have things that I'm trying place. to plant. <laughs> I know you have no idea how much I refrain from. I, I restrain myself. But uh, yeah, I have things I want to plant, and I was like, "Ooh, eighty degree! Oh, it's gonna snow on Saturday! Shit!" <laughs> Is that not good? Not good for plants? Yeah, the the sixty degree temperature swings not great for plants. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. But yeah, just a little catch up since the last time we talked. Uh, like I said last time, six new writers, halfstreethighheat.com is booming with content so shout out to monty and all the writers so be sure to check out com for all the latest content both nats mlb and college baseball everything in between we got it for you over on our site um i guess that's really it there hasn't been a ton that's happened spring training is officially underway with pitchers and catchers reporting and then the rest of the position players following suit kind of ahead of schedule so to speak uh, per Mark Zuckerman, they all made it to camp yesterday, so Monday, because we're recording this on False Monday or False Tuesday, Monday number two. Um, so, just, yeah, first full squad workout was today. I believe. Yeah, I mean, I don't th- think it's entirely uncommon that everyone got down there early. But do you guys feel any sort of type of way, you know, any sort of excitement or optimism? that everyone's down there and getting some work in a little bit early. There's always, you know, a good feeling when spring training comes back. I just love the videos of, you know, just hearing the sounds of the cleats mm-hmm. clicking or clacking, whichever, whichever word you want to use for it's that. Click clack. According to Under Armour, the commercial circuit 2005. Click clack, click clack, click clack. You know, the gloves popping guys hitting. I'm just not a spring training guy. Doesn't do it for me. It's great that they showed up early, maybe they'll win 59 games this year instead of 58 for those extra two days. But I'm just happy baseball back, man. Spring spring training's a, a fun time. It is. I feel the same way. I mean, obviously, you know, we don't need to keep saying well, I'm sure we'll say it a thousand times this season. I mean, no, it's not no one has high expectations for this season, but you know, a new baseball season is always exciting. It's always fun. Um, I love Ryan, I couldn't agree with you more. There's something about when you start hit the crack of the bat. And, you know, the sound of the ball and the glove, like, I love it. I love that. It just, it feels like, you know, baseball's close and that's always exciting. And it's good, you know, if it, them all getting there early says to me that they're excited and that's good. You know, that's a good thing, even though, you know, they know better than anybody that the expectations aren't high. Um, You know, the fact that everybody got down there early and is ready to get started. I, I, I'm just really, if I had to pick one thing to be excited about, it's to watch the development of the young guys and the fact that they're down there raring to go is is good to see. The videos of the prospects hitting BP, mm-hmm. pretty cool. That was Elijah Green hit a big daddy tank that sounded gorgeous. Yeah, it's pretty sound. Yep, absolutely. Um, and uh, I, I almost hesitate giving too much credit because we we know the North remembers. But the social media team has kind of stepped up their game, too. Granted, they're just taking ideas from other popular social media organizations. That's what they should do. But yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what they should do. So but, you know, credit where credit is due. But it's also cool seeing kind of the personality to some of these Nats guys that, Mm -hmm. you know, 
for years, it seemed like we were the most boring team in baseball, like personality wise. And, you know, Bryce was ostracized for even showing any sort of emotion. Everyone else on our team was like, you know, do you nothing. think we were actually just a team full of guys with no personality or was it that the social media? Team no, no, not at all. Not at all. Granted, like I've never been in a major league locker room, but there's no in my mind, there's no such thing as a professional sports team locker room without some sort of humor or banter or other side to you. You know, did we have a lot of guys that viewed this as work and, you know, a business and came here to get the work? In? <laughs> Anthony yeah, Rendon. Absolutely. But like. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely another side, a goofy side that more than just freaking baby shark, you know, like there's definitely a personality to this team and any team across any sport. So it's just cool that the social media team is highlighting that a little bit better and actually doing something besides coming up with cringe captions on Twitter. Like just literally post those videos of the guys like picking bone in wings or boneless wings or dogs or cats right. or like whatever like it's just it's such an easy thing especially during spring training when everyone's in one location but like that's such an easy thing we don't need your weird twitter captions about Stone Garrett. weird nicknames and zaddy and uh, all this stuff like just show us the players that's your job yeah well it'll be interesting to see how the uh, personalities are this year because i think when you, it is um you know there's a there's a new generation in baseball the the younger guys are different it's not so stoic it's not so you know um i don't even know what the word is i'm looking for it's it showing personality is not as verboten as it used to be especially among the younger players and this is a team full of a lot of younger players now so it'll be fun yeah absolutely so that'll be exciting to see and i know none of the young guys like green or wood or even hassle were officially invited to spring training so we probably won't see them in any inner squad games or you know the split squad games or anything like that but it is cool to at least see clips of them now getting batting practice because that's literally you know our only exposure to them so keep did that coming did you see that livion sure. hernandez was in camp today did you guys see that who Levon? yeah throw that <laughs> right well they had him there to just like talk to the players and you know, just kind of like be a veteran presence, but how cool. The original that? like that's, ace. That's going oh way back to the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully and he can bring that, uh, that umpire from the 99 world series with them. Cause uh, that'd be fun. <laughs> that would be or was fun. that the world series or was that like one of the divisional games? But anyways, I, I, I yeah. Anyway, yeah. they said Zim's going to be down there. I think later this week or next week or something to be. Well, like, yeah, that's yeah. not surprising at all. That's not surprising, but. I mean, they hired Gerardo Parra, so Zim is I mean, always anyone could get a job. Trying to avoid spring training, even though he's worked for the front office. I know now, he's that was late. my first thought. <laughs> I respect him. I respect him for that. Yep. Why well, do more work when less work do trick? You know. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get this show on the road and talk about the AL East as we start our division preview for the 2023 season. Every week we will be covering a division. So for the next six weeks leading up to opening day, we'll cover, you know, one of the six divisions in baseball tonight. We're starting with AL East. We'll go through all of the AL, then transition to the NL West and NL Central and finish up with the NL East since that's where our Nats are. 
and we can kind of transition into a nationals preview that week prior to opening day. But nevertheless, the AL East, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. The AL East is like a really good place to start. There's a lot of interesting storylines. It's a very good division. Um, Typically, there's a new division winner every year. Not that, you know, the teams, the playoff teams shuffle all that much, but it, you know, they tend to outdo each other from year to year. So it'll be interesting to see what 2023 has in store. So let's start at the top. Your 2022 AL East champions were the New York Yankees. Obviously, you know, it's the math 13th year in a row. They did not get where they wanted to go. And so being in New York, that ain't going to fly. They didn't add a ton, but they re-signed some key pieces, obviously being Aaron Judge or otherwise known as Arson Judge. Um, and Anthony Rizzo, but then they did make one big splash in typical New York Yankee fashion and adding Carlos Rodon. Um, so just your guys' general thoughts on the Yankees and how you think they will do in 2023. Yeah, you know, the AL East is, to me, interesting for so many reasons, but one of them is that, you know, you look at this division, and I think clearly the the Red Sox are at the bottom of this division right now. And it's interesting that as successful as so many of these teams have been over the last decade or decade and a half, that the Red Sox are the only one in the division that actually won a World Series in that time. So I don't know. It's it's a strange division in a lot of ways to me. Um, I think I don't think the Yankees are going to win the division this year. I think they're going to be in the playoffs as a wild card. I uh, I won't spoil it with who I'm picking to win the division, but it isn't the Yankees. Um, you know, resigning judge obviously was a huge, huge thing. I do think nine years from judge with his injury history is, you know, you're, as we've talked about many times, you're signing him for those first years, because I, I don't think a guy of his, he's huge guy. He's, he's a big boy. Power. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just an injury waiting to happen at all times to me. So I think that was a calculated move with the, with the contract because it's, it's not going to work out by the end. It's going to feel like an albatross, I think, but you know, the best, even the best contracts generally do. That's one of the reasons I think Scherzer's contract was such a a unicorn of a contract. It didn't feel like a, it never felt like an albatross, even given his age and and how much they paid him. But anyway, um, I don't see the Yankees winning the division, although I have them, I kind of made up a little win total. I've got them at 92. It's solid. I mean, yeah, what, 92 wins. I probably should pull up how many wins they had last year. I believe they had over 100, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't see them doing 99, that. 99. I, so. think, I think that there's the, the Jays are good, the Rays are good, the Orioles are going to be a, a lot yeah, better. Yeah, it's a really, really good division. And even though they play each other less with the new schedule, I still think the Orioles are not a pushover anymore. You know, those aren't, those aren't a soft spot in the schedule like they were for a lot of years. Yeah, for sure. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the Yankees? So I disagree with a lot with what you guys were saying in the AL East, but we will get there in a second. Uh, Yankees won 99 games last year, arguably better. Uh, on paper, they have the best rotation in baseball. Games aren't played on base on paper, but Cole, Rodon, Severino, Nestor Cortez is their four, probably the best four in baseball. And then uh, Domingo German at the five. If that rotation's healthy – the entire year, they're winning over 100 games. Cole and Rodon is a stupid one, too. Um, and I think they win the division. 
Everyone plays everyone this year, so yeah, more teams are going to gravitate towards 500. But with them having all the teams having to play all the elite teams that they wouldn't normally play, I think they don't win 100 this year. I actually think less teams win 100, but I think they win the division at 98 games this year. That rotation is going to be absolutely dominant, which is really weird because for, I don't know, like 60 years or so, you only talk about the Yankees, talk about their offense, the Bronx Bronx Bombers, but now that strength is their rotation, and I think they win the East by four games. Yeah, that's a good call, especially you think about the Yankees in the past decade or so. It seems like the pitching's always their shortcoming. You know, they've typically had one, maybe one and a half guys that really show up but if that one falters then they don't really have anyone and all of a sudden they're relying on a bullpen and their bullpen generally has been good but you know a bullpen can't carry you through what the 16 games or so you're going to need to win in the playoffs to win it all so that's why they consistently lose in the ALCS because they're good enough to get there just not good enough to get over the hump whereas a team like the Astros who they've frequently lost to in the ALCS can get over the hump because they are so deep and they have, you know, their strength in their pitching, but also a good lineup to back them up. Um, so looking at the Yankees, we're going to do a team MVP team Cy Young, and then our pick for kind of the dark horse performer and someone who can be a real contributor to each team with the Yankees. It's pretty cut and dry um, for these team awards. MVP has got to be judge. Obviously there's guys that could have good years, but, and that's not to say Judge is going to repeat his 2022 campaign, but, you know, he's still very good. So I don't think you can really argue for MVP. Cy Young, right now it's Garrett Cole. Even, you know, after all of the post-sticky stuff, like he's still very good. Is he as dominant as he was before? No, but he's still very good. Carlos Rodon could absolutely challenge for that. Even Nestor Cortez had a phenomenal year last year to Ryan's point. You know, that's probably the top four. Their top four are probably the best in baseball if you put rotations up against each other. But Dark Horse is really where it it gets interesting because it seems like the Yankees have always been top heavy, right? They've had the star power, but they don't have the depth. So they need, you know more dark horse candidates to step up for them to really get over the hump. This is going to be a cop out. And I promise I will have better dark horse candidates as we proceed through the (laughs) AL East. So I'm just going to get it out of the way, rip the bandaid off. Uh, My dark horse pick, even though it's not much of a dark horse is Carlos Rodon. I think Carlos Rodon outperforms Garrett Cole this year. Um, I was so, so close. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but um for my season predictions, I wanted to go Carlos Rodon for AL Cy Young so badly because I just really believe that that's going to be the move that sets them apart this year. Um, so he's not a dark horse. Everyone knows his name for the most part. He got a huge deal. So it's not exactly like he's flying under the radar, but with them playing in New York, I, I do think, you know, bright lights, people forget sometimes about, who's there, especially when team or players move teams and whatnot. So I think Carlos Rodon's not only going to have a good year. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year and get, you know, top Cy Young votes. But who are you guys' dark horses for the Yankees? All right. This one is a much darker horse than yours. I'm going with Oswaldo Cabrera. 
as my dark horse candidate. That's a good one. Yeah. So got called up last year, played and made starts in five positions for the Yankees, right field, left field, shortstop, second base and third base. He's super versatile, can play pretty much anywhere. And one thing that I found, I when I started thinking about these dark horse things, I was thinking to myself, like, who could be a surprising contributor on these teams? And one of the, the things I think could lead to that is the banning of the shift. So I started looking at lefty hitters and thinking like, who has really good, who has really big splits when they hit into the shift, you know, like who hits into the shift a lot, who, who, who is this going to benefit a lot? And when I looked at numbers on, uh, you know, like the, the statistics on that, Oswaldo Cabrera, they, he shifted at 75.4% of his at-bats last year. They, the best was shifted. And when he hit into the shift, his weighted on base was 258. And when he wasn't shifted against, his weighted on base was 522. So that to me was like, okay, so without a shift, this guy could really be surprising at the plate. And he's obviously super versatile defensively. So he is my dark horse candidate. Look at Amanda bringing the stats to back up her argument. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Ryan, what do you got? Um, I'm going Oswald. Peraza. Uh, going with the shortstop, I think he pushes out IKF, one of the Yankees' top prospects over the last couple of years. I think he is very, very legit, and I think he's going to usher in a new era in New York. He's going to be the captain. You heard it here. He's going to be the captain, and he's going to take over and be the better Derek Jeter. God, I'm just full of hot takes. I freaking love myself. <laughs> That's a very um, hot take. He's going to hit the ground running. His numbers last year were fantastic. The slugging wasn't really there in his, what play, like 20 games last year? Um, wow, 18. God, I'm so smart. But the man got on. I think he's going to be the on-base machine. He's going to do very well at the bottom of the lineup start the year and slowly work his way up and play plus defense and be a good four-war player for the Yankees this year. Hey, that. Before we move on real quick, Nick, did you tell us who your pick was to win? Did, were, you, were you picking the Yankees to win? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I have them winning the AL East. Okay. I, I don't have a win total because I think Ryan made a good point, and it's something you know we'll talk about as we proceed through these division previews and obviously as the season unfolds. Everybody playing everybody is like – you know, teams like the AL Central that can really pad their win totals, or at least the top teams, even though the the Guardians won the division, they weren't like by far and away the best mm-hmm. team. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's really going to level things out at least by a couple games. So 99 wins for the Yankees might turn into 93 wins. And that doesn't mean they're, you know, a bad team. They might just face better pitching, you know, because like the Orioles have a solid rotation, but it's not like they're you know, the Mets rotation or any of these other teams that the like if the Yankees play the trying to think of a good team with a good rotation in the NL, I, I, I we'll just say like the Braves, whatever. If the Yankees play the Braves and catch them in the three game set against like their best pitching, all of a sudden the Yankees get swept. Whereas in the past, maybe they sweep the, the Red Sox or the Orioles, you know? Mm-hmm. So like that, that's a six game swing right there. Um, so I do think that win total comes down and that's for a lot of teams, but uh, I do think the Yankees are stacked enough and they ha- they're deep enough pitching, which they weren't in years past because they've always had to trade for an arm at the deadline. They probably will again this year, uh, but I do think they're good enough to, to win it all or win it all by the, by that. I mean, in the, the AL, AL East. East. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. I have them in first as well. 
Um, and then for Nats fans, the Nationals will travel to New York this year and play the Yankees August 22nd through the 24th. So I don't know. Maybe you can do a, a weekend trip or, you know, a, a series trip up there if you really want to go see Yankee Stadium and see the Yankees absolutely slaughter the Nats in August. I know so I might do the same thing. All right, moving on to the second place finish last year in the AL East. That is the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have always been near and dear to my heart. Uh, my wagon brother, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., is a, a frequent inhabitant of uh, Toronto. Um, he had a slightly down year in 2022 compared to his outstanding. Slightly. Yeah. Relax, Ryan. Relax. Um, compared to his outstanding 2022 or 2021 campaign. But the, the Blue Jays, they are deep as well. They've made you know, several moves throughout the past couple of years, the big ones, but also, you know, the depth moves as well. Uh, they brought in Dalton Varsho, which was kind of a big trade for them. They traded away top, not only top catching prospect, but top prospect in baseball, Gabriel Moreno, as well as um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in exchange for Dalton Varsho, who is kind of a catcher, center fielder, outfielder hybrid. So um, they're expecting big things from him as he, likely man center field or at least an outfield spot this year they traded away um the oscar hernandez for pitching you know they still have like i said vladdy matt chapman they traded for whit merrifield last year um and that's not even to touch on their pitching staff you know kevin gosman jose barrios nate pearson and others so the blue jays they seem like the al version of the padres i don't know if that's too far or not enough, but they seem like the team with all the hype that can't really get over the hump. And there's a team every single year that does that. Um, it really was the Padres up until last year, but the Padres still came short of where they wanted to go. Um, but the Blue Jays, they have the talent. It's just a matter of can they get one, the coaching because they fired their coach midway or fired the manager, sorry, uh, midway through the season last year. Can they get the coaching to get over the hump and can they put it all together for a full season in addition to Dalton Varsho they brought in Brandon Belt for some veteran experience obviously I don't know if he was there for all three Giants World Series but a World Series champion in Brandon Belt Kevin Kiermeyer, who phenomenal defensive glove and Chris Bassett as I mentioned for the pitching depth what are you guys thoughts on Blue Jays and where do you have them finishing this year all right, I've got the Blue Jays winning the AL East this year with 94 wins, so just a couple games better than the Yankees, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't. I guess, it, Ryan, listening to your arguments about the Yankees, it's hard to argue with you about the pitching. Um, I just – I don't trust Judge to stay healthy, and I don't know without – if Judge misses any kind of significant time, I think that their offense is so hurt by that that I don't know that the pitching can can be good enough to to get them where they need to go. Um, as good as it is. But the Blue Jays, I think, you know, Nick, you just hit on it. They've just got so much talent. And last year, I really had higher hopes for them than wound up being realized. I think they have all the talent in the world. I think they've got the pieces. It just never felt like it all came together last year. And I think that that if they can they can get it to all work together this year, it's going to be interesting. I find this hard harder than in years past, all of these who's going to win the division things, because 
I don't know the the new schedule with everybody playing everybody feels like there's going to be a lot of surprises like the travel is going to be different and the um you know whether you play at home or you play you know you play that team on the road or like you said if you catch them at the wrong time and you you catch a pitching rotation at the top where with a bunch of pitchers you don't normally see I just feel like the there's so much randomness to this that we've never seen before that I find it hard to predict not only win totals but who I think is going to is going to win these divisions. It'll be a fun exercise these next five weeks as we do this, but I don't know. I think the blue Jays can win. I think that this is going to be the year where it all comes together for them. And uh, Vladdy had, you know, he wasn't as good last year as, as he was the year before. I think, I think he's going to have a monster year this year and he's going to be the, the piece that leads the team to an AL, an AL title. And hopefully a lot further than that. I want to see these guys win. I was, I was bummed they didn't go further last year. I'm sure Ryan will disagree with you because he is quickly turning into the biggest Blue Jay hater that I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. What you got, Ryan? Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Blue Jays spent the offseason completely bouncing out their lineup, trying to retool it a little bit. They had the most at-bats by righties in the season Mm -hmm. in the last 30 years. That's not good. The lineup was good, though. They led the league in average. They were top three in OPS, but kind of gotten some funks in some games just because when a pitcher gets in the groove and they're only facing righties, they know that what pitchers are going to keep working against them. Now they try to balance that out. Hopefully with a more balanced out lineup, they won't have those games where they kind of just disappear, which would be interesting. They did make some additions that are focusing solely on defense because they already have guys who are only defense, Matt Chapman, can't hit ball, save his life. Very good defender. Now they put a little more emphasis on defense to help with the depth when guys potentially go down. Blue Jays should be good. I do think the L East is just going to be a two-team race this year. It's just Blue Jays and Yankees. None of the other teams impress me. We'll get to them in a moment. But going into my dark horse, and this is what really defines the Blue Jays season for me, and it's Jose Brios. That rotation Mm -hmm. stunk last year. He was a large part of it. They gave up a ton for him. They arguably gave up more than what the Dodgers gave up to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And they had high expectations for him. He was terrible. He gave up 200 hits, 100 runs. Patrick Corbin level, but Patrick Corbin's worse. And if he bounces (laughs) back and pitches like the pitcher that he was when he was in Minnesota, when he was an all-star – throwing 200 innings, mid-three ERA. This team will have a chance to win the AL. Jose Brios is my dark horse, and I also think the guy that decides how far this Blue Jays team goes and if they finally get over the hump. Yeah, I like that pick. Like that. And you, you make a good point about how much they gave up to get him and you know the belief they had in him. Because you don't make that trade if you don't believe he can be of significant value to your team. Um one thing to mention, and I forgot to mention even over, you know, the team overview, and we can get into, you know, the Blue Jays likely MVP and Cy Young, but we'll start with Cy Young. Alec Manoa was phenomenal for them last year. So pitching outside of Alec Manoa was bad. Uh, you know, you kind of, or at least inconsistent, you got to concede that point. But Alec Manoa had a 224 ERA last year. He was third in Cy Young voting, almost 200 innings. He had 196.2. Uh, and that was improving upon what was a strong rookie year in his age 23 season in 2021 with a 322 ERA and 111 innings. 
Um, and he took it to the next level in 2022. Will he do it again? Probably not. Or, you know, in 2023, he probably won't do it again. But if he's pitching to a mid twos, even a high twos ERA, like he is a bonafide ace and you still have the pitching depth to back up. It's not as good as the Yankees, but it can at least go toe to toe to the point where hopefully your lineup, you know, takes over. You know, it, the pitching keeps you in games. The lineup wins wins games. That's usually how it goes. Uh, so if Alec Manoa can lead the charge, guys like Gosman and Barrios and Pearson, Kikuchi, like if all those guys can can follow suit, then I think the Blue Jays will be just fine. I have them finishing in second. I do have them uh, in the top wildcard spot in the AL. Uh, it's just a matter of can they get over the hump? It does seem to Ryan's point like there are more balance this year. So I have high hopes for a team that has a soft spot in my heart. And, you know, hopefully my my wagon brother, the team MVP, <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets some shine this year. Um, my dark horse, again, a little bit of a cop out. And hopefully I don't steal Amanda's answer. I'm just going with the catcher position in general. Because I believe if you listen to our top 10 catchers episode I did with Trey a couple weeks ago, the Blue Jays have two top 10 catchers in baseball in Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. Will they keep them both right now? Yes, they traded their top catching prospect away instead of trading one of these two guys away. So it seems like they're going to roll into the year with two top 10 catchers, at least in my mind, Um, which is not a bad thing. It's like it's certainly a good problem to have. But it's just something to keep an eye on because they could easily trade one of them away for reinforcements, whether it be pitching or a, a left-handed power bat or whatever you know they might need throughout the year. But if they don't, they still have two top-end catchers in baseball, and they platoon them very well, very effectively, and both can really hit. It's not just like, oh, they're top-10 because they're good defensively. Yeah, they're good defensively, but they're also really good offensively, and they're not like the... JT Real Muto, Real Mutos of the world or the Adley Rushmans of the world. They're just very solid under the radar because they're up in Canada and, you know, they're platooning with each other. They're not getting the full limelight. So I think that's one really underrated aspect of the Blue Jays and something that can contribute a lot to their success in 2023. I like it. I don't think that one was much of a cop out. It's just because I chose two of them instead of one. So it's my dark uh, horse okay. says. Fair enough. Dark horses. Okay. That you did not steal mine. Mine is Kevin Biggio. So this is a utility guy, bench guy. That's why this is for me, like a real dark horse. He's not a guy who even gets a a ton of at bats. He had, I think what 303 plate appearances last year. So not a guy who's playing a ton, but he's a lefty. And as you pointed out, Ryan, they were a very righty heavy lineup and are trying to, they're, they're, uh, manager has made a lot of statements about how they want to work in their lefties more. So I think he, there may be an opportunity for him to hit more. He's also injury insurance um, and he's really, really good defensively and eight outs above average last year, but he's really struggled at the plate. This is another guy. He's a lefty. He was, they played him in the shift 82.8% of his at bats last year. So is he going to have a a batting resurgence that will make him a lot more valuable? It might even force his way into the lineup, you know, especially if there's any kind of injuries and he's, he's a real versatile player who can play multiple positions. So I think that, you know, you always say if everybody's healthy, then this, but everybody's never healthy. There's always injuries. And so I think a guy like Biggio could have an opportunity this year to play a lot more than he has in the past. And with the shift gone could maybe make his offense 
good enough to keep up with his defense and, and make a bigger role for himself on this team. Yeah, it's a good pick. Anytime you have a utility guy that can fill multiple roles, you know, that that's a very so important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Super valuable and important to have on any team. Just a matter of can he get the bat going because that, that'll really take obviously his yeah. game to the next level, but help the Blue Jays take it to the next level as well. It's my favorite thing. You'll see that's my theme as I was looking at Dark Horses because I was Just looking utility at the stats guys. on. Yeah. Well, not only utility guys, but lefties. I'm super yeah. intrigued to see how the banning of the shift changes hitting for lefties. I think it's the most interesting thing that's going to be happening this season. The other rule changes are, are cool. I like most of them. But um, the banning of the shift, I think, is going to fundamentally change batting statistics for a lot of lefties. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's going to be a different year for baseball this year and not yeah. necessarily different bad as some years. No, but it's going to be massive. But... I really believe that. I think you're going to see this. You know, I should have looked it up before this episode, but I didn't. Um, when the shift started happening regularly, like when did it get to be as ubiquitous as it is? But I uh, I think that the biggest change, we're going to see a massive change in statistics for left-handed hitters. And it's I think we're going to look back in two or three years and be, and be able to look at the statistics and see like, whoa, look at that. Look at that change. Yeah, so it'll I'm be like it. when you look at, I'm just going to call them out. When you look at like Jose Altuve's, you know, baseball reference page, you're like, oh, what's the year they stole signs? You know? Yeah, exactly. It'll be like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you can literally just look at it and identify it with the untrained eye. Um, all right, let's move on to the third place team from last year, the Tampa Bay Rays. But before we do that, let's pause and get a word from our sponsors. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back and talking Tampa Bay Rays. They've won a couple of AL East titles over the past few years, but missed the playoffs entirely last year. Um, the Rays are the Rays. They're they're not flashy. They're not splashy, but they typically always have a very solid team, at least recently. There's several years where they stunk, but since then they've been very consistent. You know, they're usually in it regardless of whether or not they make the playoffs they're in it till you know september they're scrappy they have really good depth really good pitching good you know young guys to call upon when the time comes um and that was the case in 2022 as well and i'm sure it'll be the case in 2023 they're going to turn a, a name we've never heard of into like a rookie of the year cy young mvp type candidate who knows um but as far as the additions They've made, again, not splashy. They signed Zach Eflin, and they signed Christian Bethencourt, <laughs> and that's about it. 
they won 86 games last year. You know, to me, that seems about right for this year. I do think they'll be above 500, but I don't think they'll be too much of a threat for a wild card spot. So I guess that means I default to what Ryan's point was that it'll be a two horse race in the AL East. Uh, I do have them finishing third because, again, I, I just think they're super solid and don't have a ton of weaknesses, but they don't have like overwhelming strengths either. They're just a well-rounded baseball team that's well-managed. I do think Kevin Cash is one of the better managers in baseball. He can get a little too ahead of himself at times, and it shows, but I do think, you know, all things considered, he's one of the better managers in baseball. Uh, what do you guys think of the Rays? And do you think this is one of those years where they're kind of due to make the playoffs when no one really had them pegged for a playoff spot? You want to go first this time, Ryan? Sure. Um, the Rays are so annoying. Like you they're just bad look for at, baseball. They're bad. They're for they're so bad for baseball. I don't like owners who are cheap. I don't like billionaires in general, but. I don't like owners who are cheap. It pisses me off. You can afford it. Spend your money. And they did. They gave out the most expensive contract in their franchise's history to Zach Eflin. I think he got $36 million. So yeah, I was going to say it was a three-year deal. I couldn't remember the dollar amount, but that sounds about right. Oof, the biggest contract. I, I mean, they're they're flexing on everyone. They just piss me off. Like Whenever you think this team's finally gone, they win 90 games. But I think this is the year they're gone. They won 86 games last year. I think they're in the 84, 86 range. They did go through a lot of injuries last year. Wanda Franco got hurt. Tyler Glass now, emphasis on the glass, got hurt again. He's going to be back eventually, but you don't really know what you can rely on him. I am very excited for the top three of this lineup. I think Yandy Diaz, Wanda Franco, Randy Rosarino is going to be really fun to watch. Brandon Lowe might surprise some people again too, but after that, it's just not there. They do have the best, absolute best machine when it comes to pitches. The pitching, um, Zach Eflin's my dark horse because he's probably going to have a sub three ERA because that's what happens with Rays pitchers. Every mm-hmm. single year, they have like four or five relievers you've never heard of have a one year, not literally a one year ERA, but you guys know what I mean. But I just don't think that's enough this year, especially the fact that everyone's playing everyone. They're going to have to play all the dominant lineups in the NL that they don't face a lot. They're going to have to play the Astros more than they normally do. I just don't think there's enough manpower on this team to overcome that. So I think they finished with around 84 to 86 games this year. I've got them doing a little better than that. I've got them. I've got them in a playoff spot. Um, so I think the the Yankees, the Jays, and the Rays are going to the the playoffs. Um, I don't know. Every time like, there's so many they years, they probably like, will. To be honest, I, I, yeah. every year yeah, I feel 100%. like that, where I'm like, this is you know, it, it's you know, you know, they'll I, win I, 98 I, games and win the AL East. Right, exactly. They'll surprise us all. I just, I don't know. Every time I discount them, they come back and I'm like, oh wow, the Rays are really good again. That's that's just what they do. They're so deep. They they just know they know how to develop players. They've always got a young guy you've never heard of. Who there's an injury and you think, oh well, that's it for them. And then they get somebody who you've you've never heard of before who comes up and you're like, who the hell is that guy? So I don't know. I I'm not discounting the Rays. I think I don't think they're as good as the Yankees or the Jays this year. I don't think they're gonna you know win 98 and win the AL East. I think you're right, Ryan, in that they're probably on the the downswing a little bit. Um, but I still think this is, this is a really, really solid team. Glass now, obviously I think 
you know, he's obviously the best pitcher on the team if he can be healthy, but he hasn't been healthy. So it's, it's such a question of what's going to happen with him. To me, what happens with him is going to be determining what happens with their season in a lot of ways. Although anyone starting pitchers only, you know, once every five days, but when you lose a guy like that, I mean, you saw what happened last year when he went down. So I don't know. I think, you know, health, if, if they can be reasonably healthy, I still think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're a contender to win the, win the AL East this year. Not your dark, the, the Yankees and the Blues. Who's Yankees. your dark horse? All right. My dark horse for them is Brandon Lowe. And this is, I told you I was having a theme in my dark horses. It's lefty hitters. I think um, that he's... He's one who was injured last year, but he had a monster season in 2021 and you could see what he could do when he was healthy. And he was one of those guys that, that spent a lot of time injured. And I, I, to me, he looks like a guy who could be, who could be due for a bounce back year. Um, another guy gets shifted on a ton. He's going to hit a lot better. I think he hits, let me pull up his numbers here. He gets he gets shifted on eighty five percent of the time, and he hits three sixty two or dub, not hits. I'm sorry, I wish he hit three sixty two. Um, weighted on base is three sixty two when he's not shifted on. So I think his on base percentage is going to go up. I think he's going to find a lot more a lot more holes um, than he has in the past. There's just so many guys I think who are going to have an opportunity to to build on the offense. And the defense is already there. So that's, I like to see guys who have great defense, but have struggled at the plate. I think this is going to be a year, a year for low to, to make some strides and contribute to the team. I don't think he's an MVP candidate for the team or anything, but I think he's a guy who's going to contribute more than people expect. Yeah. I like that pick. That was actually my pick as well. Oh. Um, we talked about it when we ranked second baseman with Trey last episode i believe I'm mixing up my episodes here but i'm still very high on brandon lau i don't know if he's going to repeat his 2021 campaign because it was just that good but the power is there and he can be that guy on an otherwise unimpressive lineup and that's not to say like a guy like wander franco won't do well or randy rosarena won't do well it just you know it doesn't jump off the page you know to anyone in right. my opinion. Um, but I do think Brandon Lau can be that guy with like, oh crap, they do have a 30 run or a 30 home run threat in their lineup. And that could be Brandon Lau, uh, Amanda's favorite lefty uh, as her theme continues. But yes. I'll, I told you I themed it. This is yeah. my theme for the whole thing. So hey, that I, works. <laughs> that works. I will pivot then to Drew Rasmussen. Um, okay. So the, the, here's a guy. Um, he came over in the Willie Adamas trade back in 2020, uh, came over from Milwaukee and like at the time of the trade, I actually don't know how high ranked he was within their system, but at the time of their trade, he had pitched, uh, like 32 innings for Milwaukee he had an ERA around five, like, you know, everyone's looking at this and they're like, why did, you know, Willie Adamas is very good. Like, why did the Rays give up? him for Rasmussen and he wasn't the only one in the deal but um it was just surprising and then he joins Tampa and enters that pitching machine that Ryan alluded to earlier and he's now had uh ERA like in the mid twos in a hundred or over 200 innings uh with Tampa since the the trade back in 2021 um so yeah he, he's quite good last year 146 innings 284 ERA 28 starts um and that was Amanda, like you said, after Tyler Glass now went down or, you know, with them 
the Rays being without Tyler Glass now. Um, everyone paid attention to Shane McClanahan, and he's probably the Rays team Cy Young, uh, and rightfully so. He was like sixth in Cy Young uh, voting last year and is very, very good. But Drew Rasmussen can be the guy that really steps up because you everyone knows you need more than one pitcher, and if the Rays are going to fight for a playoff spot this year, they're going to need – they're pitching to really carry them as it has tended to do so in the past. And they'll need a guy like Drew Rasmussen to really, really step up. And that's not to say he wasn't already very good last year, but this is a year where I, I think he's the one getting Cy Young votes and no one really projected him to uh, just because the, the Rays are an absolute machine. So he'll be my um, replacement dark horse, but rightfully so because he's quite solid. So we shall see. Um, I forgot to mention when we talked about the Blue Jays, the Nats will play the Blue Jays in Toronto this year, uh, August 28th through the 30th. So they have kind of their AL East swing in late August, but they will play the Rays early in the season. The Rays will be coming to town April 3rd through the 5th. So it's one of the first series of the year. So if you want to see the machine that is the Rays pitching, you can do so at home um, April 3rd through the 5th. So that'll be cool to see. All right, moving on to the Beltway rivals we have in the Baltimore Orioles. They finished in fourth last year. Um, They were kind of the cool underdog feel-good story of the MLB last year with years and years and years of rebuild that the Nats are now finding themselves in. Finally kind of getting over the hump. Um, they finished with 83 wins, very solid in what was a tough division, um, and did so without a ton of star power. Like they didn't have the one ace, they didn't have the one MVP candidate. They have certainly good players, but they didn't have, you know, the Aaron Judge or the Garrett Cole or, you know, the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or anything like that. And they were still very competitive and, you know, were fighting for a playoff spot. Obviously, they ultimately fell short, but they were fighting for a playoff spot, certainly. Um, I will say I'm a little bit disappointed in them that they didn't do anything this offseason, but with who their owners are, I guess I'm not entirely surprised. I, I was just convinced after making a bid for Carlos Correa in 2021 or, you know, prior to 2022 that they would do so again with Correa being a agent again, or at least one of the big shortstops. And it didn't seem like they were ever in on any of them. So that was a little surprising to see, that they didn't really make a splash when they seemed poised to with that young core finally hitting the big leagues. Um, But if you're looking at Baltimore, you know, like the Rays have a pitching machine. We've understood that. And we've talked about Austin both, right. And how bad he was for the Nats and how honestly solid he was for the Orioles. I put him as my Orioles and uh, Cy Young candidate. I one. <laughs> and that's <laughs> fine. So I was trying to come up with a, a, a Cy Young candidate for the Orioles, but every pitcher is kind of the same. But it's, yeah, but you know it's, what? Not, it's not a bad both thing. Both actually had some of the best numbers. I, I pulled them before because I figured we would talk about both when we got to this. He had a 3.004 ERA last year in 17 starts. I mean, I know oh, yeah. no, he, he was solid. I had him on but my But he was team. better than I think anybody else on their staff last year, which is crazy if you just. Yeah, I mean, so with, with the Orioles, their pitching is deep, and it's not like they're star-studded, but it's just deep. They have a lot of solid guys that are probably going to eat a lot of innings. They added Cole Irvin in a trade with 
the athletics. They added Kyle Gibson, who's a vet who eats innings. He was with Philly last year. Um, they have John means they have Austin both. They have, uh, uh, I think it's Dean Kramer. Um, and they have other, you know, pitchers that can really just eat innings for them. And <laughs> they also have a really good closer in Felix Bautista, who was my Cy Young candidate just because of how awesome his like intro music and aura is uh with the lights flashing and him co- coming out to the the whistle by omar's coming from the wire mm-hmm. especially it being in baltimore is just like you know i had i had to give him props yes, for that just so fun. i can mention it um and you know they have one of the most electric young guys in baseball and adley rushman um you know he's was a rookie last year he's already top three catcher in baseball like he's that good he is the real deal um, so the Orioles are exciting. I just wish they did more in the offseason to help out this young group. Like the the pitching's good. They they have depth pitching wise, but are they really poised for a playoff spot? No, no in my mind. And that's disappointing because they could be. They really could have been, especially with how deep this free agent class was. And they kind of just sat on their hands and made some moves that would be solid if they were behind the big move, but right, them if they being were like the cream of the crop move. is just like, mm-hmm. nah. So I have them finishing in fourth again. Um, so it, it's a little underwhelming, but I, I do like the Orioles and I, I certainly will be watching, but what are your guys thoughts on the Orioles? I agree almost entirely with everything that you said there. And that was kind of my, my big point on the Orioles is that what could have been they they have a lot of good pieces in place they've got a lot of solid pieces but they didn't go out and get the stuff that would put them over the top and especially in the ALEs I mean there's just no chance you're you're getting anywhere near the top of your division you know in in that division unless you go out and spend some money which they obviously aren't willing to do and I I just I think you're right I think a fourth place finish is um there's no way they're they're going to come in above any of the other three teams we've already talked about. And, you know, Rutschman is so much fun. He is, he is great for baseball. He's great for the Orioles. He's great for the city. And, you know, the, it's hard to remember because the Orioles have been bad for a long time until very recently, but you know, that, that city remembers what it's like to have good, exciting baseball and good, exciting players. And, you know, Rutschman is certainly that, but I think that's really the only name that's, that's exciting to anyone. And I don't think that they did enough to even be competitive in their own division, let alone to be competitive in the entire American league enough to get them into a playoff spot. They had an opportunity to go out and make a splash this year and build on what they were doing last year. And they just didn't, I kind of don't understand it except for cheapness from the owner. That's the only explanation, but there's, they, they really squandered their opportunity. I think. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we talk about how the Rays have a pitch machine, how everything the Dodgers touch turn into gold with their farm system. The Orioles probably have one of the best hitting labs in the league. In a couple of years, we're going to be talking about how the Orioles have the best young core in all of baseball. They have eight top 100 prospects. They've gone six straight uh, prospect list with the number one overall prospect. Yes, prospect rankings don't mean anything, but their track record over the last couple of years cannot be denied. Adley Rutschman is the best catcher in baseball. Gunder Henderson is Gunder Henderson is going to be the real freaking deal. Those two are going to be absolutely fantastic in that lineup. 
Grayson Rodriguez is going to be the real deal as well. People are talking about because he was hurt last year. I think he is going to be the best pitcher in that rotation this year. And he's not even their top prospect anymore. <laughs> exactly. The Orioles farm good. is stupid. This would have been a great year for the Orioles to add someone a la Machado, the Padres years ago, mm-hmm. but their ownership group sucks. They were suing each other. Angelos just said they're a small market. We can't do that. The Padres have a $255 million payroll. Yes, you can. The problem is this team screams regression. The yep. lineup of Mullins, Rutschman, Henderson, Santander, um, Mountcastle, Urias, Kyle Stowers, Austin Hayes, Autumn Frazier, taking out Rutschman and Henderson, that is the same player with a different font, seven different ways. Every single oh, one I feel of those about guys, the rotation. <laughs> I'll get to the rotation in a second. Every single one of those guys is a 252 hitter with a 315 on base percentage and pushing 420 slugging. There's just nothing special about it. The way their park is now eliminates power, which sucks because Santander and Mount Castle will probably be, you know, 30, 35, pushing 40 home run guys. But that park now neutralizes big right-handed hitters. Like I said, Rutschman and Henderson are great. Rest of the lineup, it's the same guy seven times. Don't get what they're doing. Rotation, Gibson, Irvin, Bradish, Dean Krimmer. I don't like any of them. I think all of them are going to have ERAs over four or five. Grayson Rodriguez is going to be the only one with an ERA under four. He, Grayson Rodriguez and Jorge Mateo are my dark horses for this team. I love what Jorge Mateo brings off the bench. He's electric. He's fast as hell. Great defense. Only problem is he's the same hitter as they all have, just slightly worse. I think the Orioles regress this year. I think they come in fifth place, and I think they struggle to win 75 games this year. The future is very, very bright in Baltimore. Don't get me wrong. In two years, we're having completely different conversations about this Mm -hmm. team. But once those young guys start coming up, once their ownership finally shows that they want to spend, that takes them to a 90-win team. But right now, they are my hot regression candidate. In fifth place. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, and it would make sense as well because they kind of caught lightning in a bottle as a team last year and got good performances from a lot of different places. But those aren't necessarily the career averages for those players either. So it would have been a great time to supplement some of that with a bona fide superstar and uh, I mean, Adley's your face of the franchise, but, you know, certainly a, a second face in there doesn't hurt as, you know, Nats fans will know. And a lot of other teams will know they don't just stop at one superstar. If they have a superstar, they typically go out and get another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it sucks, but I do think the Orioles will regress this year. Uh, my dark horse, I'm going dark for this, um, like really digging deep. I think it's Adam <laughs> Frazier. Um and that's not to say Adam Frazier is like has ever been great. He had a really solid start to the 2020 2021 year with Pittsburgh um, was an all-star got traded to the Padres was super underwhelming with the Padres signed with the Mariners was even more underwhelming with the Mariners. So like, it, it, I'm not saying he's going to be MVP candidate, but the Orioles struggled a little bit up the middle last year. Um, Cedric Mullins aside, Cedric Mullins is awesome. We haven't really talked about him even, um, but you know they could really use answers up the middle, and they have some young guys that certainly they will call on, you know, as 
they progress through the minors and, and get their call. But I think Adam Frazier with some veteran experience, I think he will bounce back a little bit because he's like a career 730 OPS. If he can have like a 750 OPS and hit for, you know, 270, get on base at like a 360 clip, like that's super valuable to a team that's looking for production in their lineup. And to Ryan's point, a team that screams reduction. So you just need a consistent guy to kind of steady things out. And, and, you know, if it was the fourth or fifth move they made, it would have been awesome. But it seemed like it was one of the bigger moves they made positionally, uh, you know, pitching excluded. And, you know, that stinks. But I do think Adam Frazier can get back to, you know, a 2-3 war guy, which will be valuable for a young team still. Uh, looking to cement themselves as as a proven commodity. Yep, I like it. Okay, who's your lefty? Well, yes, yes, indeed. And I'm I'm going with lefties too. Well, or switch hitters, lefties or switch hitters. Okay, Santander is my dark horse candidate. I think he had a really good season last year, so this isn't that dark, I guess. I mean, he had 33 homers last year, but again, this is a guy who gets shifted on a ton. Um, I think when he hits. Let's see, when he hits left, he's shifted on. When he hits left, he gets shifted on 85% of the time. And he hits almost 100. He has, or his, um, OB, his on base is almost 100 points higher when he's not shifted against than when he is. So if you get on base, you know, 100 points better this coming year and most of his plate appearances, um, 464 plate appearances last year batting left and only 175 batting right. So if the vast majority of his plate appearances are going to be from the left side, and he's hitting or getting on base 100 points better when he's not being shifted, then, you know, I think he's he's going to really contribute a lot more offensively than he has. And he's been very good defensively as well. So I think he's a guy who can who can contribute to the Orioles. And, and what you said, as you pointed out, is not a very impressive lineup, Ryan. <laughs> but I think he can be better than he was last year and better maybe than people think. Yeah, I like that pick. And he's been kind of under the radar for a couple of years. He's been a Nats killer, I'll tell you that. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah. It, I know I get it. When I started looking at his numbers, I was like, man, they're not as good as I thought, but that's just because he kills the Nats. And that's yeah. No, he, he, yeah. When we see him, he's like the best player on earth. Um, and the Nats will see him. They kind of bookend the Orioles. So they'll get the Orioles at home April 18th and 19th. And then they'll go up the road to Baltimore to not end the year, but towards the end of the year, September 26th and 27th. Um, so it's a kind of a home and home, two games here, two games there set up that they typically do that. They've done that for a while, but that continues on this year as well. If you want to get in on that beltway rivalry, um, hopefully the Nats can compete this year. Cause it seems like the Orioles have had, you know, our number for the past several seasons for whatever reason, but well, I guess now there's a reason, but because like everyone the, has our number. Yeah, sorry. exactly. No, no negativity. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. My apologies. Um, <laughs> all right. Moving. Oh, one thing. And Mets fans are already laughing, but they did sign James McCann, too, which I like just because you have Adley and you don't want to fully rest it on Adley's shoulders to like shoulder, well, pun intended, shoulder the load uh, of the you know, everyday catching duty. He will obviously catch the majority of the games, but having a veteran like James McCann, who's been in the league for a while, it will certainly help Adley to some, to some regard. Uh, not that he needs it. He was awesome last year. All right, moving on to the fifth place team from last year. That is the Boston Red Sox. Um, they were not good, but as we know, the Red Sox typically go not good. And then world series champion. So mm-hmm. who knows the Red Sox might win the world series in 2023 with all, 
you know, we know if history is any indication. Um, they did make some moves though. Like the Xander Bogarts debacle gets a ton of uh, attention and rightfully so. And I don't <laughs> know if uh, Kyle Bloom is really cut out for the job he has with some of the head scratching decisions he's made, particularly, you know, trading away Mookie bets for like nothing. Um, but they did make some moves this year that if the Red Sox can get back to a healthy, you know, consistent team, you know, they might be fighting for a playoff spot. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I don't expect them to be to that level just because a lot of their key guys are getting older outside of Devers, obviously. And, you know, their pitching still very suspect, but they added Corey Kluber. They added a Masataka Yoshida um, from Japan. They added Justin Turner. They added Kenley Jansen. They added Alberto Mondesi. They added Adam Duvall. So it's like they made a, a bunch of like B grade moves that again, it, if several of those hit, it raises the floor significantly. It's just Corey Kluber's old, you know, Chris Sale's probably their Cy Young, their team Cy Young. He's coming back from his second major injury. Mm-hmm. Like he's looked solid when he's pitched, but he hasn't been able to pitch consistently because again, it's a yeah, second major injury. Yeah. Um, Rafael Devers is a superstar. They locked him up long-term, which was well overdue. Um, and he's certainly their team MVP, but as we well know, one guy can't do it all, all on their own. So like they made solid Kenley Jansen's also getting older as well. Like they, they made solid moves, but it's like, it just doesn't seem consistent with what they're trying to do. Cause like, if they're really trying to compete, then why didn't they re-sign Xander Bogart? It's like last year they, they signed Trevor story to a long-term deal. So they were trying to compete. They had a terrible 2022. So it's like, I don't know, just their direction of things doesn't make sense but they could be doing what we've been claiming for the Nats to do and signing these like attractive names to one-year deals with hopes of flipping them at the deadline and restocking the farm system like who knows I'm not well versed in the off-season moves and transactions and tendencies of the Boston Red Sox I just know every other year they win the World Series so um (laughs) yeah we'll, we'll see but I don't again Bogarts aside I don't hate what they've done it's just I don't think it's going to be enough either. But what are your guys' thoughts on the Red Sox? The Red Sox are a hard one for me because you're right. They they bounce back from bad years better than anybody. I, I think we've seen that multiple times. I don't think this is going to be that kind of a year for them. Although I, I kind of struggled with whether to put them in fifth place or the Orioles in fifth place. I ended up putting the Orioles in fourth and the Red Sox in fifth. But I, I those could easily flip for me. I, I feel like both Baltimore and Tampa are good teams, but neither of them got over like mid eighties wins last year. And neither of them really did much of anything as we've already discussed in the off season to improve themselves. So if, if Boston can be healthy and some of these moves they made in the off season work out, then I, I could even maybe see them sneaking into third place. Although I don't think so. I think fourth is probably the ceiling for them, but you know, they've got a lot of, of, I don't know. They've got a lot of good pieces, but it just last year was so bad. It's like hard to, it's hard to see them making a giant move, you know, a giant move forward in one year. But if anybody could do it, it could be, it could be the Red Sox. I don't know. I still had them finishing fifth. Let's see what did I put down for my prediction on wins? I think I had them at like 80 wins, maybe 78 to 80, somewhere in that range. I don't think they're going to be very good, but they could surprise us. Um, my dark horse for them is, 
uh, Alex Verdugo, who I think is going to have a bounce back year, um, or at least could have a bounce back year. Um, the last few years, I mean, he hasn't been bad, right? I mean, he's not like a terrible player. He's he's okay, but yeah, he gets a bad can... rep just because he came yeah. back in the Mookie Betts deal. Exactly, and as you know, be, when you come back in for Mookie Betts, everybody is you know pinned really high expectations on you that he certainly hasn't met. But you know, he's had three really decent seasons in Boston. You know, there's been he's his first season was you know 2020. He hit 308, and he hit 289, and then he hit 280. I mean, those aren't blow you know blow you away numbers, but they're very solid. And he's he's been a good player. I just don't think he's anywhere near what they thought they were getting when they traded away bets. Um, but I don't oh. know. He, um, he batted last year at the end of the season. If you look at his, his stats by month, he was much better later in the season last year. So I don't know. I have, I think he's going to, he's going to be a guy who, if he can improve upon what he did last year, which was already pretty good, that he might surprise people. Obviously, you know, Raphael Devers is the only person who's, you know, a bona fide star, I think that they've got right now, mm-hmm. but you know, he's not that, but I think he's his, uh, what I, say? I looked at him. I was fan graphs. I think I was looking, I'm trying to remember where I saw it, but they have him projected to have like the third highest war on the team for Dugo. So, you know, I think he's, he's a guy that's underappreciated in Boston and I think he's going to be better this year than he has been. Well, yeah, Boston will turn on you quick. Like they're, like New York and Philly in that regard. If you don't, you're, you're not performing, then you're not going to do well. But Ryan, what are your thoughts on the Red Sox, the team? I know you are plugged into pretty well. Yeah, the Red Sox are just weird. They've yeah. always been weird. <laughs> yep. when, whenever you think they're going to suck, they win the World Series. Whenever you think they're going to be good, they come in last place. But this is kind of entering a new era for the Red Sox because it's very, very obvious that this ownership group is limiting what the team is doing. Um, if you pay attention to all the other teams that they own, they're doing a lot of similar things. Bloom has made some very interesting mistakes, but I do think he's doing his job with one hand behind his back. Mm-hmm. Very clear they limited how much they want to spend on Xander. They have a weird thing with paying guys past a certain age. That's fine. But this team with everything, I think they did an okay job. They're going to score. They were great last year offensively. They had third best uh, batting average, sixth best on base percentage, nine. Uh, sorry, yeah, ninth best OPS and ninth in runs. They replaced. Sorry, let me stop. You can't replace Sander. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, you, you can can't. <laughs> only try to supplement him, and I think they did. They got Yoshida, who I think is going to be very, very good. They replaced J.D. Martinez with Justin Turner, who is better, in my opinion. They also have some pretty good prospects offensively who are going to be coming up. They're going to score again. Yoshida, Hernandez, Devers, Turner, it's going to produce a lot of runs. They got Duval Duvall, who's going to find a way to hit 200. But World hit 30, Series champ, baby. <laughs> but hit 35 <laughs> home runs. He just doesn't make any sense. That's just his M.O., um, so I, I, I just, I like the offense, that rotation and pitching staff is going to be the biggest question for them. Nick Pavetta's already hurt. Chris Sale's a ghost. Does he exist? Who knows? Um, that being said, I do think they can win 80 games. I think they're going to come in fourth place. I don't see them winning over 80 games, 81, if everything goes correctly. But I think this is a new era for the Red Sox where they are stuck in purgatory and just try to find the best way to navigate it. Yeah. I, I like that. Uh, you mentioned him, and I'll just go right into my dark horse. Uh, Masataka Yoshida. 
um, came over from the Nippon League, the Japanese Baseball League, in seven years, seven seasons over there. He had, on average, a 960 OPS. And obviously that'll come down. Nice. Um, you know, a little bit as he faces. Yeah, he's projected the major to have league. the second highest war on the team after yeah. Devers. Yeah, like that'll come down as he's facing better competition, better pitching, obviously. But if he's if he has a mid eight hundreds, a high eight hundreds OPS, like he he's gonna be valuable to Ryan's point about what their lineup could possibly do. He has some pop, like he the most home runs he had in the season was twenty nine back in twenty nineteen. Typically he averages about twenty. Um it, it really jumped up in, in his 2018 season. So who knows, maybe there's some untapped power that the Red Sox will, will help him discover this year. But if he's hitting 20 bombs, if he's getting on base, well, the Nippon league is kind of hard to evaluate because for, for reference, he had a 449 on base percentage <laughs> last year. I don't think he's going to have a 449 on base percentage in the majors Not against major league um, pitching, but I, I do think he could be pretty pretty solid at the major league level and will certainly work out better as the Red Sox international signing than someone like Rusnia Castillo <laughs> for Red Sox fans, you know, maybe a trigger warning there. Um, but I, I think Yoshida will be very solid and, you know, he's someone that certainly isn't getting enough attention. You look at, um, oh boy, I, I just blanked on his name. Who's, who's the guy the Cubs signed last year? Anyone? Anyone? Um, what know. is his name? I was going to say Kodai Senga, but that's who the Mets signed this year. I'm throwing a blank. I know who Oh, boy. About. Oh, boy. <laughs> not quite in baseball season yet, so I apologize. But he was but like... We're not ended, in mid-season form. He ended up being very solid for the Cubs. Like, he wasn't as good as he was overseas, but he was still very solid. And I, I do think, you know, we're kind of overlooking some of the international signings just because of how good the free agent class was this year. Vegas Suzuki. Say yes, Suzuki. Thank you. Um, so I, I do think he's being a little overlooked. So I think he's the perfect dark horse candidate um, for just in general, but also for the Red Sox. Uh, I think he'll be pretty solid for them. Ryan, did you give you a dark horse? He didn't. Um, My dark horse. I'm going to Reese McGuire, man. Interesting. Love, I like that. Love a good Me catcher. I uh, think he'll be able to hold it down defensively. And I think he's going to surprise people offensively and kind of make some very, very important strides with this pitching staff and be a rock back there defensively. And, you know, I just I just love someone that people don't talk about. So, yeah, I'm going, I'm going Reese McGuire. Yeah, I like that pick. The Red Sox, like, it probably won't be this year, as you guys said, as far as certainly World Series, but, um, you know, playoffs as well. But it wouldn't surprise me if they have a really good offseason next year like to see them back in competing for the AL East. They need pitching desperately, but that lineup's good enough to where like you can get one or two quality starters, whether it be by trade or free agency. And like, all of a sudden you're like, you're back. You're, you're the Red Sox again, maybe not competing for the pennant, but like certainly in playoff contention. So, you know, the Red Sox, they have their system. They do it well. Um, so they're, they're never going to be down and out for too long. Um, so we'll, we'll see if it's 2023 or, you know, a later year for them to get back in, in playoff contention, but that wraps up the AL East. Uh, next episode, we will tackle the AL central much less fun of a division to mm-hmm. uh, talk about, but there are some deep dives that we can uh, really sink our teeth into and talk about guys that you probably haven't heard of. So it'll be a good conversation talk about some of the young guys and young talent over there. And there's interesting teams like the twins, like what are the twins doing? Um, the guardians went out and, and gave a bag to Josh Bell for two years, 
32 million, which is like their richest AAV contract in free agency history in Cleveland. So it'll be, it will be a good discussion, maybe not as good as they at least, but uh, excited to continue on with our division series previews as well. Um, but yeah, you guys got anything else as we wrap up this episode? I just want to make sure that all the heaters listening um, are tuned in to Twitter at 1144 tomorrow. It's a very important announcement coming you're right, from, you're right, you're right. from We Are All Shack. 11.44 a.m. Well, Mark your calendars. This is coming out tomorrow, sure. which is today. So if you're listening to this now, it's today at 11.44 a.m. So if you're yeah. listening to this That's post 1140 a.m., you missed Tuesday it. Night. You missed it. So... <laughs> Yeah, we're not well, live. It, for the reference, because we haven't said what it is, is the announcement of who Shaq hates for no reason. Which Nationals player is hated for no reason? It's the most important announcement of the year. Make sure you're tuned in. Don't miss it. It's, it's, it's previous it's award winners. Uh, previous award winners at this prestigious award include Nelson Cruz, Adam Eaton, as Drupal Cabrera, John Lester, John Lester. Ma- <laughs> Michael A. Taylor, and others. Um, so it is the cream of the crop. Um, and it, it's always funny. Ryan's so good at this. It always starts out as no reason to hate them, but it quickly turns into a reason to hate them. Well, like, it's because it's not just picking them. It's shit. a curse. It's a curse that he's laying upon them. It's, it's awesome. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It is awesome. So, One of my favorite things of the year, Ryan, is when you make this announcement and then seeing the Twitter reactions from the people who don't get it, who like are, right. no, how could you, you hate him? He's so just a great guy. He and then, and then like by May, listening. they're like, this guy stinks. I just, Amanda, that's how I feel every single time people don't get any of my bets because Shaq as a whole is a bet. And it's just so funny whenever people get mad. Uh huh. It just cracks me up. So I'm very excited. Um, nope. Like I said, you're listening to this after it was announced, but people put in a lot of guesses. No one, no one has guessed who it is. So I think, oh, I think there's, there's going to be some shock and awe. There's gonna be some shock and awe. I'm, I'm excited. I'm giddy. It's always the best part. Always the best part. Wait, can't just, wait. I actually, no lie, Ryan. I have an announcement set on my phone for two minutes before, <laughs> so I can make sure whatever I'm doing, I can be on Twitter and watch it happen. Ryan, you should just like not tweet it out at 11:44 and just watch everyone go wild. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, damn it! I set an alarm on my phone for this. Oh man, but yeah, one of the best parts of every. Uh, spring season is Ryan's announcement. So we get that a little early this year. Uh, it's still February when he's announcing it. Just, you know, it's a little treat to Nats fans. So shout out Shaq there. We deserve um, it. We deserve yeah. this. If you don't follow Shaq, well, you should, but you can do so at We Are All Shaq on Twitter and follow Amanda and myself at A White 7877 and at The Coach Moose and the show at Half Street High Heat. Anything else before we uh, wrap up? I don't think so. Going the once, caps suck. They're losing twice. again. That they do. Mm-hmm. That they do. Um, all right. That does it for this episode. Like I said, next episode, we will be tackling the NL Central. Or NL no, Central. AL Central. AL Central. Not the NL Central. Not there yet. We'll get there slowly but surely. All right. That does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check out HalfStreetHighHeat.com for all of the latest content from our writers and Monty, who has been killing it. And be sure to follow the Amateur Update on Twitter as well. Or I think it's just at Amateur Update. Um College baseball season is underway at this point. Uh, the first, you know, series were over the weekend. Um, so that is well and underway and some of the best prospects in 
college baseball are performing and with the Nats having the second pick in this upcoming draft, it's worth paying attention to. So be sure to check out the amateur update to stay tuned to all of the prospect in college baseball and all that good stuff as well. All right. That does it for this episode. We appreciate listening. And in the meantime, I guess not. Let's uh, let's go Nats. There's spring training games. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Do it. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go, Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.